0: This is part five on Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, and we'll focus in this session on trespasses and sins. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, according to the age of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Next time we'll talk about What does it mean that when we're walking in trespasses and sins, we are walking in accord with the age of this world, and we're walking in accord with the prince of the power of the air? But right now, let's just focus on this. What's the difference between them, and why are both of them mentioned? I want to take us into the understanding of Paul as he Thinks about trespasses and sins. So, Father, these are terrible realities. They have ruined the world. And I pray that you would grant me and us together your discernment into them because we're very unfit in ourselves because we are contaminated by trespasses and sins and we need the Holy Spirit to free us from their blinding effects so that we can see what they are. Help me now, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. In short, trespasses—and I'll show you this in a minute from texts—trespasses are specific uh, going against explicit Bible commands. So, thou shalt not kill. If you kill somebody, you have trespassed against that command. You have walked over the line and broken that command, and that's a trespass. Sin in the singular is the deeper power that makes us want to do that, and sins in the plural are Acts that express that sinful power that may not be expi- explicitly forbidden for us to transgress. Okay, there's the summary. Now, let's, let's look at some passages. Here's Romans 5.12. As sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin, for sin indeed was in the world before the law, with all of its specific commandments that we could transgress before the law was given, but sin is not counted. I take that to mean, and we'll talk about that when we get to Romans someday, (laughs) I take that to mean not counted as transgressions, trespasses of particular commands where there's no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. So Adam had a, had a command, don't eat the tree. The day that you eat the tree, you die. He ate the tree, he died, that's a transgression. And Paul is saying there is sinning that is not that kind of sinning in that it doesn't have a specific written legal stipulation that it can transgress. At the end of this paragraph in Romans 5, you read this. The law now was added, it came in to increase the trespass, okay? It turns sin into trespasses because now you have all these laws that sin will break. Where sin increased, now, even though it's the Increase of trespasses that was the goal of adding the law to make sin visible in trespasses, sin itself increased. The law makes sin more virulent. As trespasses increase, sin is increased in virulence and power and evil. Grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned, notice that it's like a king, sin is a king. For a season. It reigned in death. Grace now might reign. So, grace, the power of God's grace is replacing the king of sin. Watch Paul play that out. Romans 7 8. But sin, seizing opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. So, there's a, an actual fleshing out of what he had described back in Romans. Five, sin like a power, like a slave master, takes hold of a particular commandment and says, I'll show you what we can do with that, and breaks it in every possible way with all kinds of covetousness, covetousness in this particular case. Or chapter 6, verse 12, let not sin therefore reign that old king-like power that it doesn't have any more because it's broken. Don't let it reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion. So this fundamental power or master or uh, law in us that has such an, an effect has passions, and those passions, when we yield to them, produce sins in the plural. Here's Romans six seventeen. Thanks be to God that you who once slaves of sin. So here, sin is a slave master, have become obedient from the heart. When that slave master is undone, the heart is new and changed to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin. So there it is a slave master again, singular sin, this power that functions as a slave master. You have become slaves of righteousness. But now that you have been set free from sin, there it is again, three times sin, pictured as a slave master, a power, and have become slaves of God. So righteousness and God replace sin as the master of our lives. Now, one more text on the power of sin 3 9 in Romans. What then? Are we Jews any better off than Gentiles who sin? No. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. Singular power, master, under, like a slave. That's our condition. And my question is, all right, if we've seen that in Paul's mind, sin in the singular, is like a master or a power or a legal force in our lives that brings us in its sway, what is it? I mean, what kind of master is it? What, what's the nature of this master? Here's a very familiar verse that helps us. There is not distinction or no distinction, for all have sinned, And lack, now I'm translating this lack, it's usually translated fall short of, but the fall short of gives the impression that we were trying to uh, be a certain degree of glory and we've fallen short of being as glorious as God is or something like that. I was all confused about this when I was a child and memorized this verse this word, hyustereo, means to, to lack. And then the question is, how do we lack the glory of God? And to answer that, I think we better stay in the orbit of this, con, this kind of talk in Paul, and let's go to one twenty three. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish, foolish heart was darkened. Foolish hearts, darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools. They exchanged. Now, this is what I think Paul means when he says we lack the glory of God. We lack it because of this. This is what we've done. We've all exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, resembling mortal man. That's the one we see in the mirror and that we love most especially. Birds, animals, depending on what culture you're in, lots of different religions have different alternatives for god but the essence is this sin is this is marked by this exchange here sin is that power within us that looks at the glory of the immortal god and says i prefer man i prefer birds i prefer animals i prefer bugs. I prefer money. I prefer power. I prefer fame. Sin is the force, the the slave master in us that says, here's the glory of God. I prefer Satan. I prefer my wisdom. I prefer me. The very essence of sin, I'm arguing, is that it is a Lacking of the glory of God in the sense that we look at the glory of God, we consider the glory of God, we esteem and estimate the glory of God as not as much fun, not as much pleasure, not as much joy, not as much satisfaction, not providing us what we really want, and therefore we exchange it, and therefore we lack it, and therefore we are slaves. Two, preferring anything. Let's write that so you can read it. Anything to God. Doesn't matter what it is. If we prefer anything to God, we are in the grip of sin, singular. So I come back now to our text, we were dead in trespasses and sins means that we had become the kind of people who were so dead that when we beheld the glory of God and his righteousness and his beauty and his worth, we esteemed anything better than him, especially the image of ourselves in the mirror. We became self-exalting people, and that is the essence of sin. And that sin, when it meets a commandment and transgresses it, produces trespasses. And that sin, in other cases, does things that are not explicitly forbidden or commanded and produces sins. Let me give you an example of that before we stop. Here's Galatians. Now, the works of the flesh, and the flesh is another way of describing the fundamental nature of sinfulness, apart from new birth and God. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, and then he lists a whole bunch of them. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then he says... Things like that, that's sins. It may not be trespasses. That is, you may not be able to think of a specific law that you just broke, but you did the kind of thing that grows out of a heart of flesh that is out of a heart that is ruled by preferring other things to God. That's our fundamental nature, and that's why we are described as dead. Now, one last thing. In the context here, you get to chapter 2, verse 5, and we are made alive. And that being made alive unseats sin as defining our nature, a new preference. This life here is a life to see God for who he is. And when you get then to the end of the paragraph, it says we are created. This is the new life. We are new creatures. And the fundamental thing about the new creature is we prefer God over other things. That's the fundamental change. Our heart, our will, our mind has an a brand new way of assessing God, and we love him now, we trust him now, we value him now, and so this is the replacement of sin. New creation replaces sin, and good works replaces trespasses. So, what we do next time is say, okay, if that's where we are, if we are, In trespasses and sins, what does it mean to walk according to the age of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air?